page 740 in the Church Bible, Isaiah chapter 52, and we are reading from verse 13, and reading into chapter 53. Isaiah has been called the evangelical prophet because there are very clear and distinct prophecies in Isaiah about the Christ who would come, the servant of God who would accomplish the salvation of God for men and women. And this is one of those clear passages speaking of the Christ who would come and of course who now has come. Isaiah 52 and verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then verse 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Let us turn again to read the scriptures, uh, reading this time in the book of Ruth, and we will find out if you're using the church Bible, on page 267. And we're reading here of this uh, woman, and uh, her mother-in-law experienced uh, grief. Uh, through death, uh, her mother-in-law being called Naomi. 
So we're reading from Ruth chapter 1, page 267, and we're reading part of chapter 1, and also part of chapter 2, because we want to see from our reading of the scripture how the Lord brought our comfort, and how he healed um, the grief and the brokenness that was in our heart. So Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. The man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Limelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. We pick up our reading now at verse 19. And uh, one of the daughters-in-law, Orpah, has gone back uh, uh, to her own people in Moab. And only Ruth uh, accompanies Naomi. And so we read now of them returning to Bethlehem. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Ma, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite S, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite S said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. We want to pick up our reading at verse 17. And in the verses in between, 
uh, we have recorded for us the various ways in which Boaz showed kindness to Ruth, uh, who was bleeding in uh, his fields. And now we read about her going back to her mother-in-law again. Verse 17. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsman redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Amen. On Wednesday evening in our public meeting, and tonight in this service, we are addressing this topic of grief, in particular, grief that follows death. So I hope that the things we say about a grief that follows death will also be relevant and applicable to us in any grief that we find as a result of some other loss that we experience in our lives. On Wednesday past, uh, Brenda Kelso highlighted uh, some common myths that surround grief and uh, help to dispel those. She then identified four key stages in the grief process and concluded by suggesting practical ways by which we and others can work through our grief to live life with loss and to pick up life again after loss. And this evening I want to uh, pick up where Brenda finished on Wednesday evening. Uh, throughout her talk she made reference uh, to the grace of God uh, and how that has a bearing uh, and uh, is to be simple in our response to grief. And she brought us to that point then very clearly uh, at the end. So I want us tonight uh, to begin at that point and to recognize that God is over every grief that occurs in our lives. This God who provides help that no one else can provide in grief. That this God who is able to turn our painful experiences into experiences of blessing so that in the midst of them we receive his grace 
We know his help, we submit to his will, and are enabled to live to his glory. And I want us to base our thoughts this evening uh, on Psalm 147. So I'd ask you please to turn to Psalm 147. And I've admitted, noting down the page that it is in the Church Bible, so if somebody's using a Church Bible and it's found it, then please uh, indicate what the page is. Psalm 147. Okay, page 632. Uh, Psalm 147. Let's read uh, the psalm together uh, and um, familiarize ourselves with what it says. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wings. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the rain so the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him who put their hope in his unfailing love. Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters slow. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Amen. Sorry, praise the Lord. Amen. This is a psalm of congregational praise in which people celebrate <clears throat> the blessings they enjoy from knowing the Lord. And one of those blessings is enumerated in verse 3. He heals the broken and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that is our text this evening. And that is what the Word of God has to say to us about our experience of grief. What beautiful words. 
What comforting words we have here in this psalm. The bereaved person is broken hearted. Is emotionally crushed. The bereaved person hurts to the depths of their being. Because of a relationship that no longer is. And the psalmist tells us, He, the Lord, heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. And we want to ask the question tonight, how does the Lord heal the broken hearted? By what means does he bind up their wounds, our wounds? And there are three ways in which we want to answer that question. He does so firstly through his salvation. He does so secondly through his word. And he does so thirdly through his provision. First of all, the Lord heals the broken hearted, binds up the wounds, how? Through his salvation. Through his salvation. The Bible teaches that you and I have lost a more basic relationship. A more crucial relationship still than that of human to human which we lose through death. You and I were made to know and enjoy God forever. To have a relationship with Him that is close, that is unbroken, that is unending. A relationship of friendship and fellowship. But every single man, woman and child has lost such a relationship with God through sin. Through original sin. That first sin that happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam rebelled against God and with Eve went their own way. We sinned in him and fell with him because Adam was our head of the human race and the representative, the source of all mankind. But also added to that, we are out of fellowship with God and we continue to be out of relationship with God not only because of that first sin, but then our actual sins. The way that we have spoken. The way that we have acted. The way that we have thought about God and about others. Scripture teaches that humanity in its entirety does not have a living, personal, uh, peaceful, real relationship with God. As individuals, we are, by birth and by nature, dead to God through trespass and sin. The Bible teaches us that we need to become and to be 
brokenhearted on account of our loss of relationship with God. Jesus put it uh, about being poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those who are broken in their hearts. Those who have a consciousness of their sin. Our catechism reminds us that we need to feel grief at our sin. At our unbelief. At our ungratitude. At our selfishness. At our dishonesty. And our covetousness. And our moral impurity. And when we do experience that broken heartedness on account of our sin, the Bible invites us, the Bible commands us to turn from our sin to God. That's what the Bible calls repentance and faith. And to experience his rescue package in Jesus Christ from sin. Because as we read there in Isaiah, God the Father sent him into this world to live a sinless, holy human life. And then to offer up that sinless human life on the cross of Calvary as the payment needed to secure the forgiveness of sins for people like us. The chastisement of our peace Isaiah said, is upon him. And so the Lord Jesus heals the brokenhearted from sin. And he binds up the painful wounds that sin, original and actual, has inflicted upon human lives. Tonight, you may be experiencing brokenness apart through the loss of a spouse or a parent or a sibling or a close friend and your broken heart is crying out for love for grace for peace for comfort for strength to go on And all of those things are beyond the capacity of another human to give. Your friends can't give you those things. Your family can't give you those things. I can't give you those things. But that's the healing Christ gives. That's the healing Christ wants you to have. He wants you to know those things. First of all, and foremost, in your relationship to God. And then to experience those same things in your heart and life, in the light of the relationship that you have lost. In the words of our psalm in verse 11, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. The love that we have for one another. No matter how great it is. No matter how deep it is. It's a love that fails. 
because of our sin and ultimately because of death. But there is one tonight who is the source and substance of unfailing love. And that is the Lord Jesus. And we will never, he will never let us die. He will never sin against us. He will never die or leave us on our own. He lives forever. And those who put their hope and their trust in him find this love and experience this love in their hearts. And so tonight we ask you and we encourage you to put your trust in Christ. Because as you trust in him, he will heal you. He will bind up your broken heart that is broken because of uh, your sin. And he will do that through his salvation. But then secondly, when that is there in our lives, when we have that relationship with God, that vertical relationship uh, in place, then how does the Lord heal the broken heart of the believer? Secondly, he does so through his word. Through his word. How does God accomplish his will? Through what channel does he operate in the world of nature? By what means does he reach people like you and me. How does this love and grace and peace and comfort and strength flow into your life and mine? It is through his word. Through his word. From Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the first verse of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 22 verse 21, the last verse in the Bible. From the beginning of the world to the end of the world, God accomplishes his purposes through his word. Blessing flows through his word. His will comes to pass through his word. That's why when we read Genesis chapter 1 of the beginning of the universe, of the universe being being formed by God and then of the universe being filled by God we read those words again and again and God said and God said let there be light and there was light and God said let there be darkness and there was darkness and those words occur again and again and God said and there was. Look now at verses 16 and 17 uh, in uh, our psalm here. And in these verses it speaks of the snow covering the earth, the hail bouncing off the ground, the frost flowing, the wind blowing, and the waters flowing. Why do those things happen? How do those things happen? Not by chance, not through some impersonal force that is at work in the world, 
Now look at verse 15. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Verse 18. He sends his word. And the same holds for his dealings with his people. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 19. He's thinking not now of of nature, but he's thinking now of the lives of his people, his church. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. So God accomplishes his will through his word. Now what has that got to do with grief? The grief that you and I experience when someone dies or when we lose a job or we lose our health or we lose our reputation well we saw earlier that the Lord heals the broken hearted he binds up their wounds and he bestows grace and mercy and peace and love and comfort not just to those who are broken hearted by their sin but those who are broken hearted through their loss How does he communicate those things? Through what channel do these blessings come? It's through his word. Through his word. Look at what the psalmist says here in verse 19. He's revealed his word to Jacob. And if you go back into the book of Genesis, you read of Jacob experiencing grief. When his beloved Rachel died, as she gave birth. You read of Jacob experiencing grief when he lost his son Joseph at 17 years of age. You read Jacob of Jacob experiencing grief when he had to flee from his home because uh, he had robbed his brother of the blessing and his brother was going to kill him. And Jacob was cut off from father and mother and home. And as he went to that far country, do you remember how he lay down Genesis 28 at night uh, with a pillow, with a stone for his pillow? And the Lord appeared to him. And it was the Lord speaking to him. The Lord's word that brought comfort and peace and strength to that man uh, in his loneliness and in his grief. And in his anxiety. And so it is that in our grief, God ministers to us his healing through his word. Through his word. That's why it's crucial that you and I, in our grief, that we read the scriptures. And as believers, there will be times in grief when we don't feel like it. And yet, we are to do it. Even when we don't feel like it. Because it is through his word that God, that the Lord, heals the broken hearted believer and binds up their wounds. I can think of a lady uh, that um, came into the new church in Cloth Mills and in her 60s, she buried her second husband. 
and she had just recently become a believer. She had never stayed on her own throughout her whole married life. And I remember us sitting and reading the scriptures together, reading Psalm 121, and saying to this lady, The Lord is your keeper. By day and by night. And that woman, she lived on her own. Because she took the word of God to her heart. And she uh, said to other people, this is why, this is how, and this is why I can do what I couldn't have done years ago. You see, the Lord brought her help and comfort through his word. Ask those here tonight who've lost their health, or a spouse, or a parent, or a baby. How has the Lord kept them? So they're not bitter tonight. So they're not trapped tonight in their loss of 5 or 10 or 15 years or 20 years ago. And without exception, they will tell you that over the days and the weeks and the months and the years, God has ministered graciously and tenderly to their broken hearts through the reading and the preaching of his word. Bringing them comfort. Bringing them strength. Bringing them assurance. Bringing them hope in the midst of loss. The Lord then heals the broken heart through his salvation, first of all. Through his word, secondly. And then through his provision, thirdly. Through his provision. Another blessing that the people of God celebrate in this psalm is his provision. It's his provision. In verses 7 to 9, they celebrate his provision for the animals and the birds. Look at verse 8. The Lord sends the rain. And of course that is a, an essential uh, thing in a dry climate such as Palestine that the grass is to grow. And then by causing the grass to grow, verse 9, he provides food for the cattle. And even goes on to speak of the young ravens. And they were birds that were unclean to the people of God of the Old Testament. Even for the unclean birds, God provides. And then in verses 12 to 14, God's redeemed people celebrate his provision for them. For them and their need. Verse 12. Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Verse 14. He satisfies you with the finest of wheat. Here's God providing for the material needs of his people. Go back to verse 6. And there's another aspect of God's provision for his saved people. The Lord sustains the humble. He lifts up the humble. God is a loving Father who provides for 
his people. He provides for his people. He provides for the material needs. He provides for the spiritual needs. And how does God heal the, the believer who's broken hearted through the loss of a loved one? He does so through his provision. Through his provision of family. The provision that comes through friends. The provision that comes through the church. The provision that comes through that unexpected letter in the post with words in it or with a gift in it. God's provision comes in a whole host of ways but it comes through people. We see that very powerfully illustrated in what we read there in the story of Ruth and Naomi, and if we had time, we could have read through to the end of it, and we'd have seen further provision uh, of God for them. After they arrive in Bethlehem, Ruth goes out to glean in the fields, and God overrules Ruth. This she's in a strange country. She doesn't know one field from another, or one part of the field from another part of the field. But there in Ruth chapter 2 we're told that God is guiding her footsteps uh, in a way that Ruth doesn't even realise. She's not conscious of it at the time. But he's guiding her footsteps and where she stops so that she arrives in the field of a godly man named Boaz. And there, are God's, there are those of God's people here tonight who will be able to testify of that. Of how God overruled in circumstances and ways in which they could never have thought or recognized at the time. But looking back afterwards, they could see the hand of his provision. And so in this field, Ruth um, uh, is cared for and provided for by this man, Boaz. He shows her great kindness, offering her protection among his reapers sharing the food and water he has for his workers with her, instructing his workers to leave extra grain for her to glean, that at the end of the day, she takes home a bag of grain that is so big that it causes the mouth of Naomi, her mother-in-law, to drop open. And that woman, Naomi, his heart had been bitter towards God. At the end of chapter 1, her heart begins to thaw. It begins to melt. It begins to heal. As she sees again God's provision for the widow and for the grieving and for the needy. And if you're a grieving believer tonight, I want to encourage you to have eyes that recognize God's provision for you. And to have a mindset that expects God's provision for you. Provision that will come through people. Family, friends, and church, and unexpected people. 
provision that comes through its ordering and overruling of circumstances. He binds up, sorry, heals the broken heart and binds up their wounds through their provision, through his provision. And do you who are fellow believers here tonight, and you're not grieving, then I want to invite you and I want to encourage you to be the Boaz of this congregation. To be the Boaz in the community where you live. Reaching out to the grieving. Visiting them in their home. Having them to your home. Doing things with them. Affording to them that friendship, that companionship that they have lost in the loss of their loved one. The Lord heals the broken heart. He binds up their wounds. How? Through his salvation. Through his word. And through his provision. And so we can say, blessed be the name of our Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your provision for our brokenness as a result of sin and the sending forth of your Son and making him a sacrifice for sin that through his wounds we might be healed. We pray, Lord God, that in each of our hearts and lives we would know and experience brokenness on account of our sin. But then we would also experience the healing of Christ in our brokenness for our sin. That we would know grace and peace and mercy and joy and hope that are in him, that are for time and for eternity. And Lord, we pray that your people here tonight, and you know the hearts and situations of each one, we pray, Lord God, that where there is grief tonight in the heart of any of your children, through the loss of a loved one, grief that is very painful, perhaps very recent, perhaps of many years, but it's raw. We pray, Lord, that you would enable your people to see how you heal through your word and through your provision. And, O Lord, we pray that you would comfort and encourage and strengthen your people. And, Lord, we ask that you would help those of us who tonight are not in grief through loss to be the Boaz of our day and of our generation of this congregation 
and to this community in which you placed us. Lord, we come and we thank you that you are the one who ministers graciously to all of our needs through Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.